the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the hosts and represent no other individual, organisation or entity. Adam and Roger break the news. I'm Roger. And I'm Adam. It is currently the 14th of October 2023 as we record this. And our email address is breakthenewspod at gmail.com. I believe we're still waiting for an email. We are, yes. I haven't actually checked the inbox this week, so during this recording I will make sure I check it and if there is anything I'll let you know at the end of the show, Adam. If you want to be the first, then that's the email address you need, breakthenewspod at gmail.com. And I must admit, Adam, with the news week we've had this week, I've got mixed feelings about tonight's show. I'm excited in a way because there's much to talk about, but I'm dreading it too. And can I just mention... To all the listeners out there, there is a very, very big story which has not even made the news this week. It barely makes the news anyway, but I haven't seen it anywhere, which is regarding the number of patients registered at GP practices in England. Compared to the previous month, I have some big statistics and they are rather concerning, so do stay listening till the end. So with all the news we've had this week, Adam, do we feel like talking about our little lives or shall we just get into it? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? I haven't got anything to share this week. (laughs) Neither have I, really. I've got 2024 at my back run today, which I'd done 2024 before. So I didn't get a PB today. I just equaled it. I may have to do a bit more running during the week. I did a similar amount of long ones, but the trouble was I did an extra shorter one last week, which I think that's why I did better. So maybe if I go out for quite a few short sprinty ones as well as a long one, that might work better. So I'm going to do a bit more this week. And last week you had me attempting to guess what park you'd be at next. And I said, Saltaire. And I was wrong. You went to... At Myrtle Park. <laughs> so I might so that's well... in England. So I might as well guess Saltaire for next week. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You're already going to be wrong. We're going to be going to Harton because my dad's volunteering next week. He's got a race on Sunday, so I'm going to be going to Harton. So I'll already tell you that you're wrong again. Well, best of luck at Harton, Adam. And before we do get into it as well, I'd like to give a shout out to my brother, Robert who is at the Blink-182 concert in Manchester this evening. I am sure he's going to have an amazing time, and I am very jealous. Sounds good. Sounds much better than me. Hey, I'm perfectly happy being here with you tonight, Adam. I'll sell you that now. It's important that in this day and age and this world, it's really, really important that you do stay safe, and that leads us on quite nicely to what has been definitely the biggest news story of the week. But this news is not happy, and I know that both you and I, well, we are honest and upfront with our opinions on this podcast, do see the need to tread lightly when we're discussing this news. 
So, the Israel-Gaza conflict. I'm just going to read out what the BBC has got on its new summary of events right now at 20 past 7 on the 14th of October. So, if anything's changed by the time this goes out, you'll have to forgive me. So, BBC Verify has confirmed women and young children were killed when a strike hit their vehicles as they headed away from northern Gaza. Analysis of images from the scene shows some of those who died Jesus, were aged between two and five. Israeli military is planning an attack by land, air and sea, it says in a statement, but there's no timings or specifics. A ground offensive by Israel into Gaza is expected. Prime Minister Netanyahu told frontline soldiers the next stage is coming. Israel has warned over one million Palestinians living in North Gaza to evacuate south. Thousands have been fleeing by vehicle or on foot. More than 1,300 people were killed in Israel last weekend when Hamas fighters crossed the border to attack civilians and soldiers and more than 2,200 people have been killed in Israel's bombing campaign of the Gaza Strip launched in the aftermath, Palestinian authorities say. It's horrifying isn't it adam what do you think i agree with what you've just said there it is horrifying there were large protests this week and they happened all across the country including our own city of bradford and yeah it's not good news and i think people should think very hard about who they're supporting here and it's not very good as to what's happened in this war and i also want to mention i was very unhappy about the BBC's coverage of this. All this time they've been calling the Hamas soldiers militants rather than terrorists. There's been a lot of criticism for this. The BBC have actually defended it and they've said that it's not their job to tell you who the good and bad guys are. But when they went on about Ukraine, they made Russia out to be a really bad guy. So I think the BBC are biased towards the left and biased towards specific groups, but they don't want to admit it. What did you make of the BBC's coverage of this? Have you noticed that they've been calling them militants all the time? I can't help but notice because their rivals in the media are quick to jump on it, which I think is a colossal red herring, a waste of time, and it's quite disgusting that so much time is being given to criticising the BBC when children and babies are dying. The BBC have never used the word terrorist about any group. It's their editorial policy. They don't do it, Okay, Let's get over it. We know they're terrorists. Everyone knows they're terrorists. The BBC know they're terrorists. They're not using the word terrorist. That's their choice. If you don't like it, watch Sky News, watch GB News. Doesn't matter. This is far too horrifying and awful news to be stressed about the BBC not using one word. What difference would it make? Well, it might make people understand who the good and the bad guys are. But like I say, I guess... It is probably fair for people to make up their own decisions. And that's something else that is really concerning and upsetting me about this. How divisive and, I won't say extreme, because fortunately in the UK the protests have mostly been safe so far. But people feel this need to take sides. Both sides have behaved in an absolutely horrifying manner. Both sides. And 
the, the atrocities that Israel have committed before this are awful, and the atrocities that Hamas have committed to start this are atrocious. So I can't find myself taking any side here. I just hope there's going to be a peaceful solution. But as I said on last week's podcast, this has gone on for so, so long, I don't think it's going to happen. No, and obviously other countries have been reported. I think Lebanon has been firing some stuff, Syria... There's been speculation that Iran may get involved. So it's not very good because if the Middle Eastern countries support Hamas, but then the Western countries support Israel, that seems like a situation for massive escalation. And it could escalate, and we've seen signs of escalation in the populations of European countries as well. Teachers being killed in, was it France? France, yep. There was a stabbing there, yeah. As an educator, that's extremely concerning for me, but fortunately, here in the UK, cooler heads have prevailed and the demonstrations have been peaceful and that is only to the credit of the people who are demonstrating. And fingers crossed that they stay peaceful. Absolutely. I think it's very shameful that children's schools have felt the need to beef up security. I saw the front of the BBC buildings had been vandalised. Yeah, and three Jewish schools have had to shut over safety fears in London with advice being given not to leave. They actually shut them. Yes, free was actually shut yesterday, so it's not good news at all. So that means there's going to be people's education damaged all because of this. So the rest of the world needs to have the most peaceful response possible to this, to model to the Middle East what the expectation is. It worries me a great deal that some countries probably including us are just sending israel weapons so they can wipe gaza off the face of the earth i mean gaza pretty much is wiped off the face of the earth from the footage i saw last night it's completely dark the power has gone and the hospitals with sick people in those sick people are left to get worse or die now it's a horrible horrible situation I agree that it's a horrible situation, but the question is, do Israel have the right to defend themselves? Or That's part of the debate. I guess it is a tricky one, but like I say, you can't just let a terrorist group kill everyone in the country, though, can you? Well, let me put it this way, in a very small way, and I'm really, really dumbing things down here, and it's almost disrespectful, but if a burglar was in my house, I have a right to remove that burglar from my house. Yes. I don't have a right to obliterate that burglar, go over to that burglar's family's house, wipe out his entire family, and then wipe out his entire race. No, that's true. Which is what has been going on here. The response is far too harsh it's like both sides are playing catch with a prickly ball if you threw a ball to someone that had spikes on it the smart thing to do would be to let go of the ball but no they just keep throwing it back and forth back and forth and every throw and every catch hurts but yeah no one's smart enough to put the ball down and the trouble is like i say it's only over religion this it's not like it's over the end of the world. It's not like the world's going to end. I don't believe in any sort of God, and I don't think you do either, and it'd probably be a much more peaceful place if people looked at science, and I think we've discussed this before. 
Yeah. We do have to accept that's what people believe, and we mm. have to respect that. And I know it, it is far more complicated than just stopping the war <laughs> and having peace, but it seems to just go down to one side is going to wipe the other out. And right now it looks like the rest of the world and the politicians are siding with Israel. But say Hamas somehow won the day and Palestine was, as they said, freed, then that would increase tensions with India, would come tensions with China. So then once tensions with China begin, you're going to be wiped off the map. That's true, yeah. China are a lot bigger aren't they, than a lot of other countries. So, yeah, China do have powerful weapons. And let's just mention that they also have nuclear weapons as well. So they do need to be very, very careful about what they're doing here as well. And I worry as well about tension in the UK because when there is tension like this, it increases vandalism and petty crime. And what are we going to do with all of these lawbreakers and criminals? Because there's another crisis going on. The Tories have broken something else. Well, the prisons are overcrowded, so I'm going to explain a bit more here. So defendants convicted of serious crimes like rape and burglary will face prison delays due to overcrowded jails. Crown Court sentencing hearings will be postponed to manage prison populations, leaving those on bail either in the community or held in court cells. Many prisons are dangerously full, some exceeding capacity by 70%. Lord Edis a senior presiding judge has mandated sentencing delays and early prison releases have been proposed. About two-thirds of English jails are overcrowded with limited free spaces. Andrea Albert, president of the Prison Governors Association, threatened legal action if prisons were further overcrowded. Judges are advised to avoid sending defendants on bail to jail temporarily. The UK's prison population has steadily risen since 2020, nearing capacity. Plans to rent prison spaces abroad have been announced to alleviate pressure. The Ministry of Justice prioritises public safety but faces challenges due to an increased prison population exacerbated by the pandemic and strikes. Measures have been taken, including rapid deployment cells and an extensive prison building campaign. What do you think about this overcrowding prisons, Roger? Is this silly? Should something have been done a long time ago? Absolutely. And the message that is now going out to petty criminals is, it's purge time, lads! Get you're not going to go to prison, so get out there and get thieving. It's absolutely alarming. It is, and what alarms me more is that they're focusing on crimes like burglars and rapists, but then not getting locked up. But then if someone says something which causes distress within a community, for example, they'll be sentenced to prison straight away, and I bet they'll receive their full length of sentence. Yeah, the priorities are completely wrong. And maybe you're right, Adam, maybe they should look at who's in prison right now and doing some swapses and freeing up some cell space. Because, like I said, people can be locked up just for saying something that hurts someone's feelings in this country. And do all those people really need to go to prison? 
No. Maybe we should think about taking some of those out of prison so that we can actually get our serious criminals in prison. It's a good suggestion, Adam. And another suggestion I have is, what about them barges that we've got just doing nothing at the Mm. moment? Can't we get them converted? (laughs) Yeah, and possibly also, why hasn't prison space been expanded in previous years? Surely we shouldn't just keep prison size as it is, because obviously stuff gets damaged. So over time, if you don't build any more prisons, it's actually going to decrease the actual space, not stay the same it'll decrease slightly so i do think that prisons have not actually been high on the agenda even though crime's been soaring yeah crime has not actually been on the agenda at all in terms of the political atmosphere has it no and if you ask me it's due to 12 years of a government who have had no long-term thinking whatsoever i'm not necessarily sure whether that's true i think a lot of it's they've got to campaign to get themselves elected and crime doesn't often appear high on people's priorities what appears high on people's priorities is mainly the economy isn't it Right now, certainly. But the economy and crime are quite linked as well, because if the economy was better, people may feel less desperate to turn to crime. Although I do think it's a bit of an excuse, but people are very quick to think of excuses. Yeah, that's true. Sorry to go back, but Israel had the excuse to obliterate Gaza because Gaza gave them one. Yep. And like I say, when there's an excuse, they're more likely to do it, unfortunately. So criminals can say, it's not my fault, it's the economy. Yeah. But it's always the luxury goods stores that they tend to rob. Yeah, and even if the economy wasn't suffering, there'd still be a lot of crime, all right? There may be slightly less, but there would still be an awful lot of crime because there's a lack of police anywhere. And as you can see, most of the people that commit these crimes are all young men usually, aren't they? That certainly seems to be. I think young men are also more obvious. Like, men just commit crimes without thinking of getting caught. Women tend to be a bit more sneaky and better at hiding themselves. Again, I'm really generalising there. Uh, I do think that males are still more likely to commit the crimes. um, Absolutely. Especially violent crimes. I'm not necessarily sure what the demographics are in terms of, like, small crimes like shoplifting, for example, just stealing few items but definitely violent crimes which get them lots of money for example men are much more likely to commit those absolutely and as a man that's quite shameful for me but then this is horrible behavior it's not a competition no it shouldn't be happening at all but unfortunately it is when i was searching through the news this week i was hoping for something cheerful a glimmer of hope something that could show me better times are ahead and what better from a speech from the future prime minister of this country sorry adam but he is possible future <laughs> or likely <laughs> future should we say okay i'll concede and say likely because you're right anything could happen it's kia starmer so in his speech his eventful speech more eventful than we expected speech at the tory party conference he said that he has pledged to build the next generation of towns and one and a half million homes as part of a decade of renewal under labour. He emphasised the need to speed up the planning system and building on unused urban land to achieve these goals. Sakia outlined his vision as a reformer, focused on economic growth and security. 
He plans to engage the private sector for upfront investment in the new towns while asserting the importance of protecting green spaces. He also criticised the Conservative Party and appealed to Conservative voters to join Labour. Despite expressing confidence, he acknowledged the challenges of transforming the country and emphasised the need for a long-term approach. Trade unions and small businesses responded positively to his speech at the Labour conference. Some numpty threw glitter on him at the start of the speech, but Kia was unfazed. What did you think, Adam? I thought his speech, I think a lot of it had already been leaked before the speech from what I saw. But going back to the start of the speech, are you a bit concerned about the security of these conferences? Because every time when there's a conference, there always seems to be some sort of protest it doesn't there? And they seem to manage to get into the conference. I think Kia definitely needs to have a look at his security detail because that is quite alarming that that guy was able to get so close and do that. Yeah, and just on that, it is so easy for someone to get into a conference. All they have to do is become a member of a political party and then buy a conference ticket and then the protester can get in. And this guy's been trotting around the news this weekend, talking about this a little bit and giving an apology for touching Kia, but he doesn't regret what he actually did. I think any numpty who goes around throwing glitter should face the harshest punishment. Glitter is the devil's dust. I hate it. If someone threw glitter at me, then I would obliterate them from the face of the earth. I hate the stuff. Yeah, I don't think Kia Starmer particularly liked it either. I think Kia wouldn't have liked it at the time, but I bet now he's delighted because it raised the profile of the speech, it got more people talking about it, because the speech itself, although it was quite rousing and correct, because he criticised the government a lot, which is very easy to do, he didn't actually come up with any real policies or news or reasons to vote for him. And it's probably made the Labour Party a bit of money as well, because they've sold glittered tops from what I've seen. Yeah, I think one of the t-shirts said something like, Sparkle with Kia. Yes, it did, so... Like I say, it's probably made the party a bit of money as well, so he's probably quite glad it's happened. Yes, he may have had to take off some of his suit or whatever, but it's probably helped his party in a sense. So I don't know if the protesters got what he wanted to achieve there, making Labour Party a bit more money, etc., making the speech more high profile. Well, the protesters certainly got his weight if he wanted to gain a bit of fame. He certainly got what he wanted there. But was that his intentions to try and help Keir Starmer's party out? I doubt it. But if the party have made a bit of money on T-shirts, if they've given, I don't mind as long as they've given a proportion of it to charity or something like that. Yeah, but I'm not sure that will be the case. But anyway, I don't know what will happen with it. Probably go to the party, to be honest. But like I say, in terms of the actual content of this speech, we talked about building new towns and new houses. So whereabouts do you think Keir's new towns will actually be? Urban sprawl. Just Urban sprawl, so you don't think it'll be new towns popping up in the countryside or villages becoming into towns? I doubt it because that's where rich people live and the government likes to listen to rich people, whoever they are. And let's not forget, if he does that and he puts towns in the countryside, it'll be very expensive for them to buy the land 
So it's probably not as profitable, but saying that they will get higher prices for the houses, but once they become towns, that's immediately devalued that land then, hasn't it? I just hope we get a government that are willing to take a little bit of a long-term view, who are willing to look just a little bit beyond the four-year election cycle. Mm. But do you think that'll happen? Because whatever they need to do, they need to try and get themselves elected within the next five years. I've got to hope, because things are getting bad quite quickly at the moment. Yeah, but some of it is without the government's control, like obviously the Israel and Palestine conflict and the Russia-Ukraine. That's all out of the government's control, and so was the pandemic. So there are things out there that are out of the government's control. Kia was saying, and it really struck a chord to me, that for most people, life right now is worse than it was a few years ago. And he gave like mm-hmm. practical examples of, you know, you're having to think a lot more when you do your shop. You're having to put that pack of biscuits back on the shelf at the supermarket. And stuff like that really strikes a chord with people. Yeah. Do you think life were better in 2019 before the pandemic when they got elected at the end of 2019? Or do you think it's better now? Looking at it as objectively as I possibly can, I think it was better in 2019, yeah. And even with me being a conservative voter, I've looked back at it. I also agree with you there that we've gone backwards, Roger, unfortunately. I'm sad to say that. But I don't think it's necessarily the government's fault. There were a pandemic, which is probably the big thing that's affected things. And we had the Russia and Ukraine conflict, and that's also exacerbated inflation. If we had started this podcast in 2018, we would have spent two years going Brexit, 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 because that is all anyone on the talked about for two years. That was all that was happening. It was a sign of such great peace and prosperity that the only news we had was Brexit. That is true, which shows that things were quite calm. But now look at the news. We've got tensions, we've got wars, we've got inflation. And we've got division and hatred and tension. It's not a good look, is it? No. That's why this week's a struggle, Adam. (laughs) Yes, and unfortunately I've got two other news stories. Both bad news, actually, and both related to immigration. So we'll start with probably... I'm not sure if it is the last bad news, because this is also very terrible news, so I'll read it anyway. So the UK government is urgently seeking housing for Afghans eligible for century in Britain who are stuck in Pakistan due to a refugee crackdown. Around 3,000 Afghans, including former British army workers, are stranded in Islamabad, Pakistan, has given an ultimatum to 1.7 million Afghan asylum seekers to leave by the 1st of November. The UK is working to secure accommodation for these Afghans and organise flights to Britain. Some families have already been flown to the UK and efforts are Underway to move more, charities and advocates are urging the swift transfer of eligible Afghans to the UK to the Pakistani government exclusion threats. The UK government reaffirms its commitment to bringing eligible Afghans 
to the UK. Now, I'm not sure if you've even heard about this news, Roger. Nope, it's completely passed me by, so well done for spotting it. Yes, may or may not have shared it with you. I've shared an awful lot of stuff this week, so I don't blame you if you haven't had time to look at it all. And I don't know whether I've even shared it with you. But I did see this, and I was actually shocked by this. And that does actually seem, if they are forced to leave on the 1st of November, we are going to get an awful lot of people coming to this country. I'm not saying they'll all flee to the UK, but quite a lot of them will want to try and make the way towards the UK. And the UK is not going to be able to fly them all out or have accommodation to put them on anywhere. So this is very, very, very worrying news for the Home Secretary. I'm wondering about what will happen on November the 1st. Say if no countries do take these poor souls in. What are they threatening them with? What are they going to do? What's the deadline for? Are they going to kill them? That's a good question because this is a chat gpt article and I'm not actually sure if it says what they are going to do. It just says that there's a brutal crackdown on refugees. So I would probably suspect that so that may be the case, but like I say, I ain't got any proof as to what they would do, whether that, whether killing them or whether it would mean just sending them back, but I don't know how they'd do it. So, yes, it's very, very worrying news, but I'm sure they'll find ways of hiding, etc. anyway, won't they? Well, I hope so, because no one deserves to get killed, in my opinion. No, I agree. And I know that there is a big problem with illegal immigration in this country and maybe even legal migration. But I also do think in the case of genuine refugees and genuine asylum seekers, which this is a case of, we should do our bit and take our share. Which I think we have probably took a lot more than many other countries. We were very generous. Boris Johnson committed to taking lots. But yeah, like I say, yeah, we do need to take our fair share. But Poland always refused to take any refugees from the Middle East. So they probably won't have took a single one. And they seem to be getting away with that scot-free? Yeah, so I'm not sure if we're already taking our share on it. I'd need to look at the other countries and research it. So there is a bit of a concern there. But I can see from Pakistan's point of view that they will be taking a lot more because they're right next to Afghanistan, but still don't give them the right to kill them. But yeah, they can make other countries perhaps maybe take more. Everyone's raising their walls and building their borders. It's starting to just feel more tense. Yes, and you may feel very tense when you hear this news, Roger. So I'm going to break probably... A very big news story that's not been broken. So there are, wait for it, 106,801 more patients registered with a GP in England as of the 1st of October compared to the 1st of September. So that's just in a month and already the population increased by just over 100,000 which brings the total number of people registered with a GP in England to 62,807,652. This increase was 9,079 people higher than the same month last year. Oh, Jesus. Now, these numbers seem to be going up in quite an exponential way, so... This is why I think this news deserves a bit more attention. 
<laughs> wow. If it's the same again next year, then just think how many migrants there's going to be. Uh, yeah, and obviously these illegal ones as well, aren't they? Mostly down to legal immigration. October, September, November time, these months are usually high because you get a lot of students at the start of term and then they register with GPs. So we will see a lot in November as well, but it shows just how quickly our population is growing. And it's good that it's an attractive country to come to, but then obviously how can we manage that? Because Keir Starmer's housing pledge is 300,000 new homes each year. Well, we've already got more than a third of that many people just coming in in a month. So I don't know what Keir Starmer's thinking is, but he hasn't even got a proper plan to get migration down. I bet our leaders, particularly Keir Starmer, are very worried that this exponential growth may continue and are praying that this year was just an outlier. Well, it doesn't look like it because the previous year wasn't high as well. And yeah, it looks like it's every year now that's going to be exponential. And it may even grow if there's more conflicts within other countries then people are going to want to leave to the countries where there's no conflict. So these numbers are probably going to grow, not decline. Well, don't worry. Suella's got a plan. Suella's going to sort it out, isn't she? Well, she says that she is, but... Suella says... (laughs) If you've got a wave of people coming in, what can you do? Yeah, maybe a few years' time, maybe some might go to return, but a lot of people are using universities to actually get into the country because the country's a lot better than other countries, let's be honest. But obviously, if we have more people in the country, it's going to inevitably make us part of it, and our country will not be good. <laughs> It'll just be like every other country. I am raising my children to be as flexible as possible. I don't want them to stay in Bradford unless they really strongly want to. I'm not even really concerned if they leave this country. I'd be very sad for them to be far away from me. But if it was for the best for them and they got a better life elsewhere, then fair enough, good on them. And unfortunately now I'm starting to fear that they could have a better life elsewhere. Which countries are you thinking they may be able to have a better life elsewhere then? I feel so bad saying this because I used to be and, and still am a, a really proud Brit and I really love this country. But Canada, New Zealand, even Eastern countries are an option. Why not go to China, join the winning side? America is flourishing ahead of us from what I can see, even with yeah. Biden in charge. Yeah, and I can completely understand why many of those countries that you've just listed are much better. But anyway... Is there anything else that you want to say, Roger, before we go? Just want to say thank you, Adam, for bearing with me while I've been quite emotive and treading lightly on today's podcast. When news is this serious, you don't want to get it wrong. And thank you to anyone listening for your patience. If there is something we have got wrong or something that you disagree with, Adam and I are reasonable, peaceful people. Please just let us know what we got wrong by emailing us breakthenewspod at gmail.com and we'll do everything we can to put it right. One of the things we pride ourselves on in this podcast is keeping open minds as much as we can. Yes, and we do keep open minds. Um, So we may have said stuff that are controversial in here, but... We can change our minds. Yes, we can change our minds, but you as the public have got to prove it to us evidence is king thank you adam for doing this and 
Take care, everyone. Yep. Be sure to share with your family and friends. Enjoy the rest of your days. And yeah, do get an email out. And we will be back again next week. So thank you and goodbye. Take care. Bye. Peace. The Eastern world, it is exploding. Violence flaring, bullets loading. You're old enough to kill, but not for voting. You don't believe in war, but what's that gun you're toting? And even the Jordan River has bodies floating. But you tell me. So mad, feels like coagulating. I'm sitting here just contemplating. I can't twist the truth, it knows no regulation. Handful of senators don't pass legislation, and marches alone can't bring integration. When human respect is disintegrating, this whole crazy world is just too frustrating. And you tell me.